Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. It is pouring down rain outside. It's almost like it's going to snow or sleet or hail or do something strange. Something strange for mid-May, at least. Now, I think I have an excellent show lined up for you guys this evening. And I say I think because, well, this is a grab bag episode. This week has been absolutely insane for me. Uh, Just yesterday, I shot a couple episodes of Paranormal Caught on Camera for Season 2. The day before that, I spent the entire day prepping for that shoot. And the day before that was spent publishing the Patreon episode, Paranormal News, of April. So I'm hoping this goes smoothly. Unfortunately, this week, this is how it's going to have to be. Now, for those that aren't familiar with a quote-unquote grab bag episode, essentially what it is is I don't have enough time to actually prep the show. So what I'm going to do is go to my library and randomly select different stories based on the simple one or two word header. So I know who called, from where, and generally what the call is about. And that's about all the information that I have. So I'm going to do my best to try to uh, still sprinkle in some paranormal facts here and there, some information here and there, while enjoying these excellent calls. So what do you say we stop yammering and start playing? Our first call of the evening comes to us from my state of California. The following is John's call. Hey, Derek. um, My name is John. I live in the Paw Springs area of California. It's a UFO story. It happened to me back in 2006 in Fort Mojave, Arizona. I was actually out there visiting family. And uh, this was probably, it was night probably about nine or ten or so this was kind of a while back i don't know the exact time but anyway i was standing in the driveway and to be completely honest i was smoking a little bit of marijuana and i was by myself and so i'm just kind of hanging out there and i just got the urge to kind of look behind me and i look behind me towards this guy and above the neighbor's house i'd say like it's a single story home but it was probably no more higher than maybe if the house was like three stories above the home's and I mean, it, it looked pretty, pretty big. It, it was, it was very dark, but it had like I would say a pulsing, somewhat orangish light on the side facing away from me. And when that light would pulse, I could see more of the shape, and it looked maybe to be, maybe the size of a blimp, you know, plane. But it was rectangular shaped, and it was really, it was dead, dead quiet. And I didn't notice anybody else out, you know, on the street or anything, but I watched it for maybe about two minutes. It was going very slow, um, heading towards the Laughlin area. Again, I didn't see anybody else out there, but I did go inside, and I, I grabbed my cousin, and I had him, you know, come outside with me. 
to show him what I was seeing. By the time I got him out there, it was kind of a little bit of a distance off, so he was able to see like the the flashing light, but he wasn't able to see the details like I saw. Like I, I mean, I didn't see much. But I, it was like a solid black, almost rectangular, but without pointed edges, more rounded. So I'd say maybe ovalish, but it it was definitely pretty big and it was very silent. Yeah, so that's it for that one. But there's a few more events I've had happen in my life that are pretty strange. So I'll be giving call back. Hopefully you can use this. I, I really enjoy your show very much. Uh, been a long time listener, first time caller though. So. Hope I can make more calls in the future. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, John. I got excited there at first. You mentioned Palm Springs. It's about an hour away from here. I thought maybe I was going to get to do some field research or something. I can tell you, just as anyone that's interested in ufology or the paranormal itself, Arizona, New Mexico, that area is quite the hotbed for activity. I mean, you think of the Roswell crash or the Aztec crash or even the Phoenix Lights. There's a ton of examples to pull from, so the fact that John saw something strange in that region certainly isn't a surprise to me. Thank you again, John, for taking the time to share your call. Our next story of the evening takes us to the coasts of Florida. The following is Adam's submission. Hello. Adam. I live in Florida. I have a story about I do house renovations, and uh, I was doing a renovation on my sister's mom's house, and she lived there for about 15, 20 years, and this was about four years ago. I was stuck going outside of her house. Her husband that she married after my, her and my dad got divorced, she, uh, she got remarried anyway. She had passed away about 10 years ago. She's been living by herself in this house for, for about 10 years. I walked into that house to redo all this stucco. I, I'd walk through the house to get to the backyard. As soon as I walked into that house, it's heavy. But it, it wasn't negative or anything. I, I could walk in and feel the presence of her past husband. And I would talk to him like he was there. I'd tell him what I was doing for the day. I mean, literally, I just act like he was there, you know, ask, you know, ask questions. Anyway, I, I'm finishing the job probably a week later. My sister's in the house. There was roofers there at the time fixing a patch on the roof. And I was cleaning up in the corner of the yard, probably a hundred feet from where the door would be. Now the roofers had left their ladder leaning against the house, you know, so you go up under the roof. They had left for the day. Now, it was a nice, clean, clear day, so they didn't leave early. It was probably four. And my back was turned to the ladder, and I heard steps going up the ladder. Now, mind you, there's no wind. This wasn't, this wasn't anything smacking the ladder. Before I looked, I looked around. I'm like, there's no wind, and it sounds like someone's going up the ladder. So I turned, I looked. There's no one there. I looked up on the roof. There's no one there. I was like, huh, it must have been him, you know, checking the work. And two minutes later, my sister comes out the house and she, she asks me, what are, you, uh, what are you doing walking around on the roof? It sounds like you're stomping. I said, uh, I got it. It was, uh, it was your stepdad. And he kind of turned white on me and I said, he's still here. But uh, that's my story. I thought it was pretty cool. Thank you. Well, thank you, Adam. 
This actually reminds me a lot of what I was going through while I was building this new studio space. I may have touched on it a bit on the show. I kind of left a lot of it out because I felt a bit crazy based on the feelings and the emotions and thoughts that were going through my head. As I mentioned, or may have mentioned before, I basically built this space while Sarah was out of town. And I spent as many hours a day as I could. Sometimes I would be down here for 15, 16 hours working. And after a little while, I began to feel like I wasn't by myself. I almost felt like there was somebody here with me, but I couldn't figure out where they were, who they were, anything like that. And then I started getting ideas in my head, like, oh, I'll do this or do that, or you're doing this wrong, or well, that looks good, or it'll look better if you try this. After a while, I sort of just adopted the energy, and I even associated a person with it. Now, when Sarah and I bought this cabin a few years ago, it was uh, not falling down, but it certainly wasn't in great shape. It needed a lot of updating and some repairs made to it. But as we started, you know, working on the house, we met our neighbors and started talking to everybody, and they would all tell me about this uh, Irishman that owned not only our cabin, but several of the cabins in this little valley area including several of my neighbors. Well, the story they told is that this gentleman would go around the mountain collecting scrap wood and and old used nails and spend this afternoon hammering the nails flat to use essentially on my cabin. As charming as that sounds, it's also a bit uh, disconcerting. I don't want old bent nails holding my roof on. But at any rate, uh, the gentleman ended up passing away of some sort of cancer I can't remember maybe brain cancer. But when he died, they discovered that he was a multi-millionaire. And he was bending nails. So in a way, that story reminds me a bit of what Adam experienced. There was a spirit, a known energy there, and it almost seemed like they were there to help rather than to scare anyone away. Thank you for your story, Adam. That's definitely an interesting one. I think it's time we head to the woods. Our next call comes to us from Heather in Parts Unknown. Hi, Derek. My name is Heather. I've been a listener for about a year now. Recently, when listening to your episodes, I haven't really been able to focus because I've had this one experience on my mind, and so I thought it might be time to put it out there. I've always had a lot of really strange experiences and things kind of seem to be attracted to me or around me for some reason. But this is the first one that I really can remember happening. And um, I should probably preface this with the fact that this did happen in my childhood. It was the early 90s and I was definitely no older than maybe four or five years old. But I was always a very serious child. (laughs) I never had imaginary friends. I didn't see the point you know, people would try to say that storks would bring babies to families. And I was just like, that physically does not make sense because I really gravitated towards animals and learning everything that I could about both local and exotic wildlife and um, as well as like prehistoric stuff, dinosaurs, all of that just clung to it. And that was my thing. And I was, even as a young child, very knowledgeable about the animal world and species and things like that. So yeah, so I was at my father's house this weekend. My parents were divorced and he was sharing this family home with his sister and it was split up 
between top and bottom and she had the the top part of the house and he had the basement my aunt was seeing this guy and his daughters would you know come over and babysit me from time to time and so this particular weekend one of them was there and I don't know how old they were um, probably no more than like I don't know 11 or 12 significantly older than I was at the time and but definitely not an adult <laughs> so we decided uh, me and this girl that we were gonna go hang out in this tent that I had for some reason I should probably say that this house that my father was sharing with my aunt it was outside of town off of a road but it was one of those that had a driveway like directed to the road you sort of had to take like a dirt path back into the woods and then there would just be this house and so woods surrounding the house and from the back porch there was this stretch of dirt that kind of went on for maybe 100 or 200 feet and then it just suddenly like dropped off and then the woods started and it was like a physical ledge it was pretty steep so you know we never really went down there and it wasn't something that we felt you know we could climb up or down so i had this tent and we put it at the the edge of this dirt area and so sort of like at the ledge where the woods began and we were in there and we you know took some board games and coloring books and whatever else and we're just playing and We'd had a mom cat that had just had kittens, and um, so we had her and her kittens in there with us and just doing our thing. My back was maybe a few inches away from uh, one of the walls of the tent, and so the girl that was babysitting me, I noticed that she was looking at something above my shoulder. So I turned around and I saw this curved claw thing like poking into the top side of the tent. And we'd noticed before this happened that everything was very quiet, didn't hear anything approach the tent. And, you know, you could approach it from three sides, but that fourth side was the ledge and nothing could really easily climb up the side of that without, you know, hearing it. And, you know, no wind, all the birds were quiet, all of that. Just one of those eerie things and the, the claw thing happened. Even the mom cat was very afraid and there was a definite sense of, you know, instinctual fear that took over. So we watched it for, I don't know, probably just a few seconds, but you know, it always feels like much longer. And so it was poking into the tent and then it just stopped and went away. Like the only thing that I could really logically chalk it up to is maybe like a bird of prey hovering above the tent with a talon. Um, poking into it, but there was no sound, um, and it was just this singular one. It wasn't like several talons. So that was really strange, and we were very afraid. So we waited a few minutes and then gathered our stuff and ran out of the tent. And uh, the mom was the mom cat was actually the first one of us that had exited the tent. She was very afraid and was looking around extremely nervous. So that of course made us nervous as well. And so we just sort of booked it to the house and ran in thinking, okay, maybe it's my dad playing a joke on us. We don't know. So we ran in and he was asleep in his bedroom. So we, you know, ran in almost hysterical. <laughs> and told him what had happened and you know he just thought it was kids being imaginative making stories up you know not being able to logically understand something like that i guess but you know i'm almost 30 now and it has stuck with me this whole time and so it's i still cannot figure out 
what it might be. I'm very familiar with local wildlife in that area and nothing really makes sense to me that what it could be. And the, the best way that I could figure out to describe it was in the movie Jurassic Park. They have the velociraptor claw that was very large and curved quite a bit. And that is a lot like what it was. And that's how I described it at the time to to my parents. And no one has ever believed me except for this other girl that, you know, was babysitting me. And unfortunately, I, I don't have her contact information any, any longer. So I can't, you know, get to her and regroup. But it's just been something that's stuck with me my entire life and been extremely strange and pretty terrifying. So yeah, I wanted to put it out there um, because it seems like it might be some sort of cryptid something. But yeah, I hope that maybe you or your listeners would have some insight or maybe another experience like this. But yeah, I would love to have some answers. So thanks. Thank you, Heather. I almost wonder if perhaps a branch just happened to be touching the tent just perfectly to make it look like a claw was poking through. Now, of course, I was not there, so I certainly cannot say definitively that, you know, this was a branch. Most likely it wasn't if the both of you uh, were freaked out by it. That seems to be something that you would be able to uh, discern quite quickly. Outside of that, I honestly don't have any other ideas as to what this could have been. Maybe, as Heather said, there's a listener out there that's either experienced something like this or perhaps heard of something like this that may be able to shed some light on this subject. Thanks again, Heather, for taking the time to share. Our next story of the evening takes us back to the state of California. The following is Gabby's Call. Hey Derek, my name is Gabby and I live in Whittier, California. So I'm calling in about something that happened pretty recently that I really haven't been able to explain away that easily. This happened around the week of December, maybe 17th to the 23rd, so it was really recent. I work a job where I get off pretty late at about midnight all the time. I only work maybe once or twice a week, so it's really not that bad and I don't mind it. But this particular night, we were closing up a little later, so I got off a little later. I was getting home probably at around 12.30, a little bit past there. My apartment complex, the way that it's set up, uh, we have a security gate. And as I was approaching the security gate, um, getting ready to press the remote to let myself in, I looked uh, up for some reason, I don't remember why, I think I was just looking at the cameras or something, but there are three buildings in my uh, actual apartment, like complex area, it's like building A, B, and C, I live in the back one, uh, building C on like the third floor, and that's the one that we can see from the parking lot as we're approaching, we can see the third floor for all the buildings, so as I'm um, driving in, I look up to the third floor window that's in building C and I'm pulling in and I see um, an older man standing in the window and he's maybe, he's definitely like over 60, like no way he's anywhere under 60, like he looked like an older gentleman, like stooped over like a stereotypical older man and he's standing at the window just kind of staring at my car. And I got a 
it's just the most massive chill ever. And I'm looking at him and I'm driving forward and I'm trying to kind of crane my neck under like the, the window just to try and get a better look at him, just to make sure that he's actually there and that I'm not seeing things. And I drive, I keep driving, I'm driving towards my actual parking spot. And eventually like I have to turn a corner so I can get into the parking spot. And once I turn the corner and I turn back around, he's not there anymore. And I haven't really been able to explain what that was. If it was an actual older gentleman just kind of standing there past midnight, I still think that's equally as creepy as it being some kind of, I don't know, ghost or specter or whatever you want to call it. But if anybody has an explanation, I'd really appreciate it. Again, even though I was tired, I'm not the kind of person who who sees things or has hallucinations, visual, audio, anything like that. I wasn't on any drugs. I wasn't drunk. I was completely sober. I was just getting home from work. And it was one of the most bizarre experiences ever. I've had a few different instances in my apartment. I just moved in here kind of like that. It made me think that maybe it was haunted. I don't know. It's just a really creepy event that happened, and I just wanted to go ahead and share that. Maybe you have an explanation or somebody else has an explanation. So I love your podcast, and yeah, thank you. Bye. Thank you, Gabby. Now, as anyone in Southern California knows, there is a huge population of homeless individuals in this area. It's quite unfortunate Now I say that because this almost sounds like the behavior of a homeless person. When I lived in LA, I couldn't tell you the number of times I was startled to find somebody standing feet away from me that somehow I didn't notice. A lot of them have seemed to have made it their goal to stay undetected, and I can completely understand why they would want to do that. So perhaps in this instance, you simply came home and startled somebody that was looking for a place to sleep for the night. Now, just like Heather's call previously, I was not there, so this description may not fit whatsoever. But at least based on the description, this sounds like this may be a logical solution to an otherwise illogical problem. Thank you again, Gabby, for sharing your call. Our next submission of the evening comes to us from an anonymous source, but does come to us from my home state of Ohio. Here is that call. Hi, Derek. So I wanted to share a story about my childhood home. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Our house was always really scary. You know, we had a lot of ghost stories. I I have thousands and thousands of stories I could share. But the one story that I, I have to share today happened when I was in the seventh grade. And I was sick, so I stayed home from school one day and my mom she was a stay-at-home mom at the time so she was there with me and we were really you know we were really close so we would just you know play a bunch of 60s and 70s music and dance around the house and make food and you know it was always a good time and um, I had a big boombox in my bedroom and we loved the mamas and the papas so I, I had this cd you know like a greatest hits of mamas and the papas and 
I had put the CD in, you know, playing music. And, and I have to note also that <laughs> there's a lot of really, you know, scary, um, bad things going on in this time, uh, mostly in my bedroom. So I, at the time, I was lighting those, those like white religious candles, you know, you can buy from, you know, like a head shop or whatever to, you know, to keep burning at all times, to kind of keep bad things at bay. So I had one of those, you know, burning. And we're at the other end of the house. I think we we're going through photos, actually. And, and California Dreamin' by Mamas and Papas is playing so loud through the house. And uh, all of a sudden, it just stops, stops playing. You know, and I thought, oh, no big deal. It's a boombox. You know, maybe it just stopped. So I get up, and I, I walk, you know, through the house, the large ranch. And there's just a really weird feeling at the other end of the house. It, like, stopped me um, dead in my tracks, you know. I was really scared for some reason, and I yelled for my mom, you know, Mom, can, can you come here and see if you can feel the same thing I do? And she did. She could tell that it was just creepy and eerily, eerily quiet. And we, we walk into my bedroom, and <sighs> the Mamas and the Papas CD had been taken out of my my boombox and was flipped upside down on one of those white candles and there was a, a huge hole like burning like scorched into the cd that was like and the flames were just like getting bigger and bigger and you know we panicked obviously super freaked out got a glass of water then you know dumped it on the fire and put it out but it was <laughs> it was so scary and I still have the CD to this day, you know, uh, from Memento. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the many, many, many stories that I have. I will definitely call back with more. Uh, love your show. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, caller. Apparently, your spirit is not a Mamas and the Papas fan. It's kind of funny. Yesterday, while we were filming Paranormal Caught on Camera... We were talking about ghosts manipulating flames and causing fires, and I was struggling to find a few examples. Of course, the Sally House in Kansas was the first thing that popped into my head, but I would have loved to have had this story in my pocket. I wished I would have uh, stumbled upon it earlier. I could have shared that with the crew. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share. Now, before I hit up the last couple stories of the evening... I have a few announcements I need to cover. Keep in mind I'm looking for hometown legend submissions, so if you're sitting on something great, give the hotline a call. And be sure to mention that it's a hometown legend early on in the call, so I can easily find it. And that goes for practically any paranormal story. If you have a story you would like to share, simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can hit up the website for more information. And speaking of that website, you can also buy merchandise there. And just here in the next week or so, I know I keep saying a week or so, but I'm getting around to it. I will have a new t-shirt design. And then soon I'll be reordering the Mirrored Men shirt. Now, a lot of people are wondering, why don't you just do Tee Public? Well, I've actually heard a lot of complaints about the quality of the shirts from Tee Public. And I actually own a few, and I could uh, pretty much agree with their complaints. That, and I also heard that people don't really make a lot of money through Tee Public. So those two strikes pretty much set me out on my own. 
Unfortunately, that requires me to drop a lump sum on a bunch of t-shirts hoping that they'll sell. But I think the quality and the fact that it's me sending these out kind of makes all that worth it. So if it's a submission you're trying to do, a t-shirt or sticker you're trying to buy, or perhaps a donation you're trying to make, the website is monstersamonguspodcast.com. And the last bit of information I need to cover is, of course, Patreon. If you love the show and you'd like to get more, or if you love the show and you'd simply like to support it, visit patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast, or simply search Monsters Among Us podcast from patreon.com. There you will find our additional content. Each month for a $4 monthly pledge, you will receive two additional shows per month. A paranormal news segment where I cover the news from the previous month, and another which is a deep dive on a past story shared on the regular show. So if that's something that interests you, again, head over to patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us. Alright folks, here we go. Back to the programming. And to kick things off, we're going to get a bit squatchy. The following is from Foy in Georgia. Hello, Derek. This is Foy, F-O-Y. I wanted to call about something that happened to my wife and I. We live in the extreme North Georgia mountains in the southern Appalachians, and we're, our form of recreation is hiking. We've hiked all over these mountains for the last 15 years. In 2009, in clear weather, in an area, I won't pinpoint it, but it's near the Appalachian Trail. Uh, it's an off uh, trail, a, a, le- a feeder trail to the Appalachian. We were stopped by a little creek, just kind of playing around like we do, and we heard something I've, I've never heard in these mountains before or since, and it basically sounded as though an angry chimpanzee, large chimpanzee, was yelling at us and then gr- grunting and growling hooting, grunting, growling, coming from the ridge above us from where the little stream was coming down. And it it bothered us enough because it was summertime and it was a clear day and there's always bird song. But that shut, that sound, that scream shut everything up. We've uh, experienced black bear and all sorts of animals in these woods in the past 15 years, but I have never experienced anything like this. We did not stick around after we heard the sound and thought it prudent to move ourselves on down the trail and and to vacate the area. And after about a half a mile, uh, bird sound and regular forest sounds uh, returned. It disturbed us enough that we moved on. And, you know, while, like I said, I've, I've spent time as a teacher in an outdoor therapeutic program. So part of my work, and right now my work, involves at-risk kids and getting them into the woods in these mountains. So hiking is part of my work and my recreation. I know these mountains pretty well, and I've never, ever heard anything like that before. Now, recently, within the past month, there have been two sightings of a large, hairy humanoid creature crossing the road um, in in that very area, uh, which is, once again, northeastern Georgia and the southern Appalachian. Um, one was a daylight sighting, and one was a sighting by a retired couple 
on the way home in the late evening, on the late, well, I say early, early morning hours, 1230. Both witnesses claim, the couple and the, uh, and the witness from the daylight sighting claim the animal went up a 10 to 12 foot embankment very quickly and had crossed the road in less than three strides. Um, we're talking about a two-lane mountain road. But I did want to, to emphasize, I, I, this was an ape that we heard. This was, it's, this was nothing but an ape. This was on a weekday. We were about three miles into this trail, which is not a really well-known trail at all. Uh, it's it's and it's definitely not traveled much on the weekdays. Um, but um, I, it's something I cannot explain and still can't explain. Um, I've thought of you know someone perhaps messing with us or that we've gotten too close to a meth cooker or or something. But there's no way that a human being could have made the sounds we heard. Uh, the range was too high. It was too loud and too intense. You could almost feel the growls and the hoots and the and the and the screams in your chest. Anyway. That's my story. That's another experience that I've had up in these mountains. I hope you have a good day and, and keep up the good work. We, we really enjoy your, your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Foy. Now, anyone who's listened to more than a handful of episodes of Monsters Among Us knows that we've tackled the mystery scream sound more than once. It certainly seems like there's something out there making a racket, yet nobody can really pinpoint what it is. I'll be honest, this is one of the first experiences I've heard to come out of the state of Georgia, so that certainly makes this more interesting. But what Foy's story does remind me of is an experience told by Les Stroud of Survivor Man. Apparently he was in Alaska, I believe, shooting an episode when he heard what he described as a primate on the hillside basically screaming at him. He said it freaked him out so bad that he packed up his gear and moved to a new location. Now, I know I've played his clip on the show at some point or another, so I won't play it again, but if you Google Les Stroud Bigfoot Experience, I'm sure you can hear the story. Thank you again, Foy, for taking the time to share that call. Our next call of the evening takes us back to the state of Ohio. The following comes to us from an anonymous source. This took place in the Cleveland, Ohio area back in 2013. I was a year out of high school and started getting into ghost hunting with my friends. We started looking up everything in our area that we could trespass or break into to explore. Abandoned buildings, of course. We found the town of Tinker's Creek, Valley View, Cleveland. What had brought us there was an old barn that had been allegedly haunted. I guess as the story goes, the farmer had died and it drove his wife nuts, so she started cross-dressing. The town started talking about her and she eventually hung herself in the barn. Tinker's Creek in itself has lots of ghost stories from settlers being built into the foundations of cobblestone bridges and so on. Well, I was with two other people, and when we reached the barn, it was too close to a main road to break in or go peek around. We did a couple Googles and found a cemetery called Terra Vista Cemetery. We found a crude, what looked like windows paint, drawn map. The cemetery is located in the middle of a national or state park, I can't remember which exactly, but we followed up this hill using this map. The ground was brick, then asphalt, then back to woodsy grass kind of path. We went down over this huge hill encountering this circle-shaped cemetery with maybe 20 grave tops. We could hear bugs and frogs and water in a nearby pond. We saw it on the paint-drawn map, but not in person. We go into the cemetery, which is down this big hill we were on. 
and we hang out there for a while, walk around, check out the gravestones. All were extremely old. One of my buddies starts talking, asking for spirits to come forward. I'm recording on my old iPhone 5, lights out and just using moonlight. I was wearing a long sleeve shirt and the first thing I started noticing was that it felt like bugs were under the shirt or as if someone was lightly touching the hairs on your arm. So now we're there a while, it feels spooky enough. Now, half the cemetery was thick. Thick brush like weeds, overgrown kind of deal. The other half was just regular wooded area. My one friend points to the thick brush and says, Do you guys see that light? I said back, What light? And he grabs me by my shoulders and moves me directly in front of him and points for me to look forward. And there I saw two, what I would describe, yellow and blue eyes staring right at me. It nearly knocked the wind out of me, and I felt like my blood ran cold. I watched this thing in silence in the dark for what felt like forever. Again, we had no lights on, so we couldn't explain the eye shine effect. I thought it could have been deer or some other animal, possibly a bear, but my friends debunked those theories. As we watched this thing, we could see it blink and even look down at the ground, then back up at us. Eventually, one of my friends had enough and he decided we were going to start walking to it. He took one step forward, and the eyes looked like they closed shut and were just gone. That thick of brush, those eyes were in, you could hear even a bird on branches. There's no way we wouldn't hear the animal leave, but we were in silence. I think we were all in shock, so we decided to fast-pace, hold hands, walk back to the car, where I played back the video since I had been recording. We didn't catch the eyes on camera, but we did see human-like shadow or silhouette. Turns out the history of Terra Vista is that it used to be old Ottawa tribe land, and they were leaving because it was bad land and warned settlers not to take up there. A lot of people have had demonic experiences, so they claim, being scratched, followed home, burned. We to this day have no idea. But my best idea would be a Wendigo, perhaps? Thank you, Collar, for sharing that story. And I should point out that that story was read by our own Warren Pawn Abbott. Now, our submitter mentions that the creature that he encountered, uh, he believes to be a Wendigo. Or Wendigo. Now, of course, this is a type of a woodland spirit, I suppose. Some people see it more of a uh, flesh-and-blood creature, and some other people see it more of a... Uh, possession type deal. Either way, the legend stems from the uh, northern parts of the U.S. and southern parts of Canada. The Iroquois tribe, I believe, were the first to start the tradition. But at any rate, it's essentially either a beast or a possession that causes people to uh, become ravenous and insatiable and end up uh, cannibalizing everyone around them. Now, A lot of people claim that the story was invented simply to curb cannibalism in the darkest days of winter, but yet still others claim that there's more truth to the legend. Now, I can't say for sure whether or not Ohio falls in that territory, but I do know that sections of Ohio, especially the Cleveland area, was at least visited by the Iroquois, so it's at least possible. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share, and thank you, Warren, for the excellent reading. And that leaves us with one short story remaining. The following comes to us from an anonymous source in the state of Florida. 
Hello. I recently discovered the podcast and I just want to say I think it's awesome. Um, I love the stories and I don't know how I came across this, but it's probably one of my favorite podcasts to date and I really hope it continues. So I figured I'd call in and add my story. This was back in the mid nineties. I say I was probably 10 or 12, 10 or 12 ish. Um, it happened in Florida, uh, the Panhandle area. And that area is very flat. We'll just say that. Um, so let me preface with saying, this happened at my cousin's house and across the street from her house, was a large open field and then further from that was trees and the way her bedroom was set up is her window faced that field so if you're in her room you'd see the field so my cousin and i were having a slumber party at her house her bedroom window had no curtain on it it had like a see-through thing so you could see directly out the window to the field and at nighttime you're not going to see anything obviously because it's dark so we're having a slumber party and it's really late at night Um, we're watching a movie just being 10 year olds Let me set up how her room is. You walk in, her bed's directly next to the door, and it's across from the window. So if you're laying in bed, you're going to see directly out the window. You have no, nothing's blocking your view out the window. And then her TV was next to the window. So if you're watching TV, you'll be able to see out the window. So we're laying in bed, and all of a sudden, we see this bright light across the street. A round light. And the light is not shining into her window. It's just a light over there, like a glowing light. And we both are like, whoa, what is that? And we watch it for a few minutes. It doesn't move. And we're thinking it's like a flashlight or something because we're 12. And all of a sudden, it starts getting bigger. And like the, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And we're, you know, just transfixed by this. And then all of a sudden, and it's not shining a beam or anything into the window like a spotlight would. It's just a glowing light over there in the field. So then all of a sudden... It just shoots across the field, across the road, like it's going to come into the window, and then it just goes up. So it shoots across the field, and then right before it hits the house, it shoots up in the air, I guess. And I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. So we obviously are 12, 10, we freak out, scream, and run into her parents' room. I can't remember what happened after that, but that was the one thing, the first UFO unexplained thing that happened to me, and probably what set it off for me as a kid and as a teenager. I actually moved to Gulf Breeze as an adult and saw lots of different types of lights and things over there. And if you're familiar with Gulf Breeze, the famous incident there is the Gulf Breeze UFO. I never saw like a UFO ship there, but I saw lights and things. I can attribute that to the Air Force base that's there. But still, the area is known for kind of weird UFO stuff. Anyway, that's my story. It's kind of short, but it's strange. And it's something that I always tell everybody if they say they have a UFO story, I say I have one that's really crazy. And most people kind of get like whoa that's crazy anyway thanks again for the podcast i hope to hear more episodes keep up the good work thanks bye thank you caller and thank you for the kind words and when you said gulf breeze florida my ears certainly perked up i instantly thought about the unsolved mysteries episode about the subject and my childhood come flying back to me there was something about those very vivid and very detailed images that came out of Gulf Breeze in the 90s. It was almost as if it was uh, E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Since these photographs came out, the Gulf Breeze photos, as they're often referred to, uh, many people have claimed them to be hoaxes, and that it was an outright elaborate hoax. And I certainly can't speak to that. I haven't done any research myself. But as detailed as those are, it's one thing or the other. It's either a hoax or it's an alien spaceship. Thank you again, caller, for sharing 
your story. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd, Warren Pon Abbott, and Tony Bell. Music for this episode was provided by Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. good. You stuck around to the end of the program. Well, tonight I have a written submission by Taylor in Canada. When I was around 10 years old, my mother took me and my best friend at the time to this furniture shop in downtown Toronto that sold antiques. As a child, old-fashioned things really intrigued me, so that actually was an exciting thing for me to go and check out. On the way to the store, my mom told us how, when she was younger, She remembered the building being a bakery, and then it was sold and used as a quote-unquote adult's lounge for many years before it was changed into a furniture store in the early 2000s. We got there and everything was beautiful, old and antique. It was very dusty and almost empty inside. We ventured up this grand staircase to the second floor that was surprisingly very nice. The stairway was so wide you could probably have fit ten people standing side by side going up them. Once we were on the second floor, it was a different feeling than being downstairs. Looking back at it now, it seemed like we were entering a different universe for a moment. Everything felt still and weirdly quiet. Even the structural layout of the top floor was just odd. There was a long hallway, and at the end of the hallway there was a small room, barely filled with any furniture whatsoever. It was almost weird that this room was even open to the public. I remember standing in the doorframe and instantly feeling fear take over my entire body. I had never felt such a gigantic shift in energy before at this stage of my life, and all I kept thinking was how scared I felt. My friend interrupted my thoughts by opening a bag of Skittles she had and immediately a few pieces dropped onto the floor and began rolling across the room toward an old thick velvet curtain covering the back wall. You could tell that there was not a solid wall behind this curtain but you couldn't tell what was behind there either. Immediately, my mom says to us, pick that up, you guys can't leave candy in the store. And my friend and I gave each other a really similar look, a look of fear. My friend hesitantly walked across the room, and I remember being so anxious watching her walk toward this curtain. It felt like I was almost waiting for something or someone to jump out at her. By the time she walked back over to me, I told my mom that I was feeling really scared and kept asking her to go to the lady at the front desk. My mom really did not want to ask the lady anything because she thought I was being overly dramatic. 
I ended up convincing her based on my emotional reaction to that room. My mom asked the lady if she had heard anything odd happening in that upstairs room, and the woman's response was, Oh, so you've met Charlie. She then went on to tell us that multiple children have thrown up in that room over the years, and that it's only children who ever feel anything off in that space. She did say, though, that when they're closing at night, there's a constant movement coming from that area of the building. She even said that two years ago they did a carbon dioxide test in there, thinking that is why some of the people were getting sick. The staff have nicknamed the ghost Charlie based off of the original owner of that building. She had also theorized that Charlie was the reason for so many businesses to come and go throughout the years. My friend and I never spoke about that moment again, and I have unfortunately lost touch with her. She was very quiet during that whole experience, which leads me to believe that she felt it too. I remember the look we gave each other, and I know what we felt was real. It's a very weird experience, but honestly the beginning of me being into all supernatural stories and paranormal experiences. I still feel like I have a very strong intuition 12 years later, and I've had a lot of things come true that I felt was going to happen. But still to this day, I haven't felt an overwhelming amount of fear instantaneously walking into a space like I did that day. Very happy to have come across this podcast. Hopefully my story is interesting enough to read. Well, Taylor, I thought it was. Your description of this building reminded me of an antique shop that is in my hometown, a place that I often visit when I go back, simply because they have great prices. Unfortunately, however, I've never experienced anything paranormal in that building. But your story does remind me of my late grandmother. She used to claim her house was haunted, and the experiences I've had in that home, I 100% agree with her. But she would always call the ghost Charlie, and I always asked her why she came up with that name or how she came up with it, and she would insist she had no idea. Just felt right, she said. So from one Charlie to another, sounds pretty creepy. Thank you again, Taylor, for submitting your story, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To get behind the wheel. To go out on the open road. To feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes an exhilarating experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.